Let us pray together. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The psalm for today is Psalm 92. Brian, I think we're still doing a psalm series. However, maybe not so much today, but we are going to read a psalm, Psalm 92. Let's listen for the word of God to us. What a beautiful thing, God, to give thanks, to sing an anthem to you, the high God, to announce your love each daybreak, to sing your faithful presence all through the night. How magnificent is your work, O God! How profound are your thoughts! My ears are filled with the sound of promise. Good people will prosper like palm trees. They'll grow like Lebanese cedars transplanted in God's courtyard. They'll grow tall in the presence of God, lithe and green, virile still in old age. I like that last line. How about that? <clears throat> the New Testament lesson is from the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter. And this is Jesus speaking to his inner circle. He says, I am the vine, the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit, and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes it back so it'll bear more fruit. You are already pruned back by the word that I've spoken to you. So live in me, make your home in me, just as I am in you. In the same way that a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are connected to me. I am the real vine and you are the branches. You're joined with me and I with you in intimate and organic relationship. The harvest is sure and abundant. Separated, we can't produce anything, but make yourselves at home with me and I will make my home in you. And you can be sure you can ask for anything and you will know that you will be listened to and acted upon. I know my Father shows who he is when you bear fruit and when you mature. I have loved you the way my Father has loved me. So make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself at home in God's love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and that your joy will be wholly mature. So this is my command, love one another the way I've loved you. This is the very best way to love, for your, to give your life and put it on the line for your friends. This is the word of the Lord. 
Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for being here. I thought maybe nobody would show up today given everything that's going on. And I, you know, I've been really struggling with this, uh, trying to figure out what to say, I have to tell you. And I, I really uh, wanted, I just thought, you know, the, my, be my best idea was to say something really profound and just, just something so memorable and so original and just just something really deep that you'll always say, man, that Bill, he was really, he wasn't very smart, but every once in a while he came up with something, you know. But you know, I couldn't think of anything profound and deep, just couldn't do it. Uh, so then I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll just uh, go back and review some old stuff. And you know, I've been cleaning out my office for about a month, just kind of steadily going through old files and old books. And I, you know, there's some, there's some good stuff in all of that, that old, old stuff and I thought you know maybe I'll just do a review in case they didn't get it the first time you know in case they didn't listen or forgot I'll just hit some of the high points and then I thought you know y'all don't want to hear all that you'd be bored with that but I did come across one of the old files that I thought was this this file of old jokes and I haven't used a lot of them and I thought you know here it is I, I you know, why not just, you know, use, use this file a little bit. So I've got a few here for you. And uh, so this, the, the, first, the first, I'm going to start with some Southern humor. So if you're a Southerner, don't, don't get mad. Um, but but here, here's, here's one. It's uh, a state trooper in the South pulls over a pickup truck on I-10 and says to the driver, got any ID? And the driver says, about what? <laughs> okay, pretty good. Uh, okay, all right. How about this one? <clears throat> what do you call reruns of Hee Haw and Green Acres? That's dating us. Uh, when you're in the South, you call them documentaries. <laughs> Y'all are great. I, okay, here's, I'm going to keep going then. All right. Now, we're going to shift into church humor, okay? Got to be careful here, I know, but uh, we'll try. So little girls sitting out there in the pews, and the, 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 the pastor is waxing along on his sermon, and, and she finally leans over to her mom and says, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will he just stop and let us go? Or how about this one? I'm, I've got, see, it was a whole file full. We're going to be here a while. So, um, so, the, so the, these, this little baby is, is baptized and his older brother is there. And when they're driving home, they're, the little boy is crying. And, and the parents, what's wrong, little boy? What, why, why are you crying about your brother being baptized? He said, well, because the pastor said that he wanted the, our, my brother to be bought, brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> you like it? All right. See, I should have used these a long time ago. <laughs> Thing is, they're completely unrelated to anything else, though, so... Uh, so then I thought, well, you know, when you run out of jokes, maybe go to the scripture. What do you think? Go to the text, the reading for today uh, from the Gospel of John. I really would like to think uh, together about that for just a few minutes. 
It's, uh, it's, it's a part of uh, several chapters in this Gospel of John that are called the Last Discourse. Now, uh, the Gospel of John was written in the last decade of the first century, but the church that it was written to probably was in existence since the 40s or 50s, and so it had evolved, and over this, the decades, it had become not just a purple church, not just red and blue, but I mean, they had green and brown and yellow and orange. I mean, they had such a mixture of ideas uh, there in that church uh, that it was hard to know how they were going to be able to stay together and where who would win out in the in this contest of, of theology and philosophy. And so the Gospel of John, in part, was written to help hold this church together and give it some guidance. And, uh, but, but also, because it was written in the time when Jesus was now gone. It was after his life was over, and so people were wondering, how do we be the people of God going forward decade after decade, how do we grow and be alive and not just become stuffy and dull and, and uh, sort of institutional, kind of the way Flannery O'Connor feared the church would become. She said it, that it would become mostly about ethics with no mystery. And so the Gospel of John is a word of mystery. And, and, and in this particular text, Jesus gives us an image of a vine, a plant. He says, I am the vine, and I am not just any vine, I am God's vine. I'm the vine that is within the center of God's purpose and care. God is the gardener, and you are the branches, all of you. Collectively, this is a, a social image, not just a private me and Jesus deal. It's, it's us collectively sharing life together, organically connected, organically. In other words, not out of our own effort or because we have figured it all out or have mastered some sort of spiritual demons or anything like that. Bearing fruit, the fruit of God's love, socially, with each other, in the community. Notice that most of the metaphors for the spiritual life, for God's actions in our lives, most of those metaphors are dynamic. They're moving. They're always moving in a new way, producing some kind of growth. And so the path to our maturity is just that. It's a, it's a road. We're never there yet. We're always on the way. We can't push it to get there soon enough. We can't make it happen. All we can do is recognize that the life of God is happening in us and around us in one another and allow it to carry us forward. This is a great surprise, I think, for some, and maybe a disappointment for others, that the divine life ultimately really doesn't have that much to do with my goodness, my effort, 
my morality, my theology. It really has mostly to do with wanting to be connected, wanting to be touched by that grace. So no doctrinal or moral test here in the 15th chapter of John. Stay connected to me and you will bear the fruit of God's life. It has been a wondrous thing for me to see this happen over the last, oh, I don't know, almost 50 years to, uh, to see how the, the work of God uh, expands and touches lives, whether it was in Chicago or Nashville or Miami or Atlanta in five cities, in five churches, and 10 years here, it's been a great privilege to witness close at hand the touch of Christ in your lives, to see young people's lives powerfully transformed, to see our lives impacted. And as is usually the case, the person who is the teacher or the caregiver is the one, to, one who undergoes the most healing, the most learning, and the most growth. That is certainly how I feel. I know that my life uh, has been so deeply enriched by knowing you. And so I am full of gratitude today, to say the least. I want to say, first of all, I'm grateful for the staff that I've worked with here. It was maybe seemed almost random or accidental that some of us came to work here, but uh, to me, I am so thankful for, for all of them. And I want to name some of them. I hope I don't forget, but I, the, the people that have done pastoral care here, Dwight and Carol and Mary, while I've been here, uh, have been amazing. And Emily, her office is right next to mine. I don't know if you knew that, but Emily and I over the years have sort of had a contest to see who lost their keys the most often. And, and of course, would, would give each other a hard time about that. And, and I think she had, a, she had a secret weapon, though. She could create new forms to fill out, which we all had to do. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Emily, for that. Um, I, I think about the uh, mostly women here that, that have been such examples of faithfulness and strength, dedication, courage, people like Jan and Terry and Letha and Jenny Bibb and Cheryl and Cheryl and another Jan. Uh, in, you know, all of us carrying our own personal burdens, uh, and yet I feel so blessed to have worked with them and to, I feel like I've been inspired by them. Uh, and then I think about the kids that I've known in this church and, uh, 
Brian mentioned, or no, no, it was uh, Gene that mentioned, uh, you know, one who's gone on now from college to, to ministry. And I think about the, the, dec the decade of growth of little children growing up and how fun it is to see people find themselves and to see uh, young people uh, begin to affirm their identity as children of God and use that in the world. What a gift it has been for me. Really, all of you, I, you know, I was thinking about Lisa Taylor coming up here, the liturgist for the day, and I was thinking about the amazing work she does. And I, I think about all, every one of you, you volunteer in different ways, your careers have led you in different ways, and, and you are, uh, are living reminders of Christ in, in the world. So for me, I feel like a little branch. I feel like a part of the mystery of faith. I feel connected to you all, to all the others on this vine. And I want to give a special recognition to, to somebody up in the balcony, and that's Steve Goyer, uh, from whom I learned so much and receive so much grace. And uh, what, what an example you have been to me, Steve. And I really appreciate your friendship. Howard Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I would have to say that you have made me come alive for 10 years. You have given me a reason to get up each morning and to look forward to coming to work. Um, beyond that, I would also like to say that I would not, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my own family. I know you all are grateful for and proud of your family and your kids. And I just have to say how proud I am of you guys and how thankful I am for my wife. Some of you have gotten to know Peggy when she has come to your garage sale. And she w took away maybe the, the, the very things you thought nobody would want. Why in the world would anyone want that junk? Well, she's your, she's your gal. I mean, uh, so, but beyond that, um, if you were to ask my kids who is the godlike figure in our family, who has made a difference in this community, it would be her. Uh, because of her work with students and with homeless folk, and I know she probably ready to kill me for talking about her, but um, an amazing ministry that, that she has and has been a real example to me. Henry Nowen said, good memories offer good guidance. I hope you work on having good memories. We could all focus on the bad ones, but I know I am so full of good ones 
from here, from these last 10 years, that it will be a source of guidance and uh, encouragement to me for the rest of my life. I'm not planning to leave this neighborhood. In fact, I plan to stay involved in our community in different ways. I'll probably be involved in the basketball league a little bit and maybe in some other things. But I'd like to uh, end with just a, a little story. Last week, you may know, uh, Peggy and I were up in New York at Chautauqua, got to see Josh uh, Stafford play every day. and. Uh, uh, one morning I got up early and went out kayaking alone on Lake Chautauqua. It's a pretty big lake, 17 miles long. Uh, it was a very foggy morning, and, I, and uh, so the, the lifeguard there got me into the kayak, gave me a push off, and I started paddling out into the lake alone and couldn't see very far. And I was thinking, now what would happen if I got lost or tipped over or something like that. So I thought at first I'm going to stay pretty close to the shore where I can see some of the docks and the shoreline. And then after I got out and about half my time was up, I thought, you know, I'm going to miss out if I don't adventure out a little bit. And so I kind of got my courage up and paddled outward, out toward the middle of the lake. It was so calm and very foggy and quiet. And I began to experience the beauty of that lake in a new way. And I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he thinks about our lives here on this earth. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can't do much of anything, but with me, we're an unbeatable team. It will require courage to stay steady in turbulence, to go farther out than it may seem safe to go. We may be apt to settle for what is safe or comfortable but if we face the unknown together, abiding in Christ's love, as John tried to encourage his mixed-up community to do, then we may receive what Jesus intended for them and for us, his ultimate gift, joy, the joy of Christ in us. So today I, I am joyful and I want to leave you with a, a blessing, the first of two, and um, this blessing is an expression of some of the joy that I feel as I wrap things up here. Blessed be the works of your hands, O Holy One. Blessed be the hands that have touched life. Blessed be the hands that have nurtured creativity. Blessed be the hands that have held pain. Blessed be the hands that have tended gardens. Blessed be the hands that have planted new seeds. Blessed be the hands that have cleaned and washed and scrubbed. 
Blessed be the hands that are wrinkled and scarred from doing justice. Blessed be the hands that have reached out. Blessed be the hands that hold the promise of the future. Blessed be the works of your hands, O Holy One. Amen.